Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to Going Dark Theater. I hope it is midnight wherever you are. Why don't you turn out all the lights? Yes, even that one. That's better. My name is Josh Hitchens, and this midnight I will tell you the tale of the immortal monster, part two. The ghosts of Gloms are not just the rich and powerful. There are several tales of former servants who have never left the grounds. I must warn you, these tales are more gruesome. A strange apparition known as Jack the Runner has been seen running frantically across the grounds surrounding the castle. He is the ghost of a young African boy who met a horrific end. In the 17th century, there was a hunting party at Glam's. The hunters were annoyed when they could find no wild game in the forest, so they decided to hunt the boy instead. The boy, Jack, was forced to run screaming through the woods surrounding the castle where he was finally attacked and torn to pieces by the hunter's hounds. Despite his hideous demise, the spirit of Jack is also reported to be a mischievous one. Inside the castle, there is a stone seat outside of the Queen Mother's bedroom that is always ice cold. People walking by that seat are often tripped by something they cannot see. Throughout the history of Gloms, residents and visitors have seen a disturbing specter known as the tongueless woman. She is said to have once been a servant in the castle who learned too much about the dark secrets of the family. Her tongue was torn out to keep her silent forever. After this was done, she tried to flee the castle in terror, but fell down the stairs and broke her neck. Her ghost is seen inside the castle appearing suddenly, gesturing to her bloody, mutilated mouth. One of the last recorded sightings of her was in the mid-twentieth century. Shortly before his death in 1961, David Bowes Lyon, the 14th Earl, was taking a stroll outside the castle after dinner. He saw a woman standing at one of the castle windows, gripping the bars, her mouth dripping with crimson blood, trying desperately to speak. 
The Earl walked toward her, but she suddenly vanished, as if someone or something had ripped her away from the window. One bedroom in Glom's castle is always kept empty for good reason. It is called the Hangman's Chamber, so named because a butler hanged himself there in the early 19th century. After the suicide, no one ever slept a quiet night in that room. Sheets and blankets would be torn off the bed by invisible hands, so now the bedroom is off-limits. There is also an earlier tale about four servants who were caught drinking from their employer's wine cellar. They were chained outside the castle in the middle of winter as punishment, where they all froze to death. On the anniversary of their murder, it is said their tormented screams can be heard echoing in the night. There are even tales of vampirism associated with Glam's castle. One story goes that in the 18th century, a maid who practiced black magic was discovered drinking the blood of a man. For punishment, she was walled up alive, but not before she put a terrible curse on the family. Ever since that time, there has been a legend that once in every generation, a vampire child is born into the Bose Lion family, and these unearthly offspring are kept hidden away in a secret room. A castle as old as Glam's is certain to have secret passages, hidden rooms, and terrible secrets. And that brings us to perhaps the most famous ghostly legend of this extremely haunted palace, the terrible tale of the monster of Glam. Beginning in the Victorian age and continuing well into the 20th century, all of Europe was talking about a horrific secret hidden somewhere within Glam's castle. The speculation even reached across the pond to America, with even the New York Times publishing articles about the strange mystery of the haunted castle in Scotland. The supposed origin of the monster begins on October 21, 1821, when a son was born to Thomas George Bowes Lyon, the 11th Earl, and his wife, Charlotte. Official records say the baby was stillborn. However, the midwife who was present at the birth, said the child, a boy was born alive and was puzzled by reports of his supposed death. 
There is no gravestone for this supposedly stillborn child, and there is no record of a funeral ever taking place. James Wentworth Day wrote a book about the Bowes Lyon family in the 1960s called The Queen Mother's Family Story. From the Earl and his relatives, including the Queen Mother herself, he heard this legend. A monster was born into the family. He was the heir a creature fearful to behold, a deformed caricature of humanity, his chest an enormous barrel, hairy as a doormat, his head ran straight into his shoulders, and his arms and legs were toy-like. Another description of the monster dating from this time describes it as looking like a human toad. An anonymous writer contributed to the scholarly journal Notes and Queries, saying he first heard of the monster in the 1840s. The story was, and is, that in the castle of Gloms is a secret chamber. In this chamber there is confined a monster who is the rightful heir to the title and property, but who is so unpresentable that it is necessary to keep him out of sight and out of possession. The secret is supposed to be known to three persons only, the Lord of Gloms, his heir, and the manager of the estate. The secret is revealed to the heir on the occasion of his 21st birthday. In 1850, the wife of the 12th Earl, who is also named Charlotte, was determined to solve the mystery of the secret room, even though her husband forbid her to try and learn more. One weekend, while her husband was away, Charlotte suggested to her house guests that they hang towels or bedsheets out of every window in the castle so they could see if the location of the mysterious locked room could be identified. When they finished this task, which took several hours, all of them went outside to look. They paced all around the castle and they saw that there were four windows in Glom's castle that had no towels or bedsheets hanging from them, which perhaps suggested there was more than one hidden chamber. It is said that the Earl returned home, saw what his wife had done, and divorced her. It is also said that Claude Bowes Lyon, the 13th Earl, often made light of the family secret in his youth. He often promised to reveal it to his wife, Frances, as soon as he was initiated at the age of 21. After that birthday passed, he is quoted as saying to Frances, My dearest, 
You know how often we have joked over the secret room and the family mystery. I have been into the room. I have heard the secret. And if you wish to please me, you will never mention the subject to me again. After his 21st birthday, Claude Beau's lion was a changed man. Silent, moody, scared. But his wife Frances longed to know the secret. She repeatedly begged the current estate manager, Andrew Ralston, to tell her what the secret was. Ralston finally said to her, It is fortunate that you do not know it, and can never know it. For if you did, you would not be a happy woman. Andrew Ralston once he knew the secret, never spent another night at Glam's castle. One winter night when he was snowed in at Glam's, he ordered the servants to dig him a path through the snow to his house over a mile away. His fear of staying in the castle was that great. During this period, while the Bose Lion family was away, a workman reportedly discovered a secret passageway somewhere near the chapel. He followed the stone passage, which was filled with shadows, when suddenly he saw something move at the end of the dark hallway. Terrified, the workman ran out of the passage and frantically told the household staff of his frightening, frightening encounter. The Earl was immediately summoned, and the family lawyer was told the secret, so he could arrange a way to ensure the workman would never repeat what he had seen. They offered the workman a large sum of money to emigrate to Australia. He did so, and was never seen again. In 1865, Claude Bowes Lyon said to a friend who inquired about the mystery, If you could even guess at the nature of this castle's secret, you would get down on your knees and thank God it was not yours. A family friend named Augustus Hare visited Glam's castle on October 28, 1877. He wrote, As we drove up to the haunted castle at night, its many turrets looked most eerie and weird against the moonlit sky, and its windows blazed with red light. The Earl himself has an ever-sad look. The Bishop of Brecon, who was a great friend of the house, 
felt this strange sadness so deeply that he went to the earl and said how, having heard of the strange secret which oppressed him, he could not help entreating him to make use of his services as an ecclesiastic if he could in any way, by any means, be of use to him. The earl was deeply moved, though he said that he thanked him but that in his most unfortunate position, no one could ever help him. More than one guest reported seeing Claude Bow's lion, the unlucky 13th Earl, kneeling at the chapel's altar in the early morning hours, dressed in the same clothes he had been wearing the previous night praying for some unknown forgiveness. His depression was so great that his son, Claude George, who became the 14th Earl, refused to be initiated into the secret when he turned 21 in 1876. Claude George remembered that the lawyer had been told the secret several years before when the workman accidentally found the hidden chamber. Therefore, three people, his father, the estate manager, and the lawyer, already knew the secret as the tradition dictated, so there was technically no reason for him to be told at that time, since he would be the fourth person. He didn't want to be haunted by the burden of it all his life, like his unhappy father. As public speculation about the secret of Glam's castle reached a fever pitch, a newspaper wrote in 1880, There is generally much talk of the old story being exploded at last, until their 21st birthdays, the heirs make light of the family mystery, and some have gone so far as to make after-dinner promises to tell the whole stupid story in the smoking room at night. This promise has been made more than once, but it has never been kept. In 1904, a writer for the New York Sun reported, on one occasion, a young doctor who was staying in the castle professionally found on returning to his bedroom that the carpet was different. By moving the furniture and raising the carpet, he laid bare a trap door which he forced open and found himself in a passage. This passage ended in a cement wall. The cement was still soft leaving the impress of a finger. He returned to his room, and the next morning received a check for his services with the intimation that the carriage was ready to take him to the station for the first train. The 13th Earl died in 1904, and many think that with his death, the true nature of the family secret began to pass out of human knowledge. When asked about the secret in the 1960s, 
the sixteenth earl insisted that he knew nothing. It may have died with my father, or with my brother who was killed in the war. However, the Bowes Lion family still whispered about it well into the twentieth century. Rose Bowes Lion, daughter of the fourteenth earl and the aunt of Queen Elizabeth II, grew up in Glam's castle. When she was asked about the infamous secret, she went pale and silent before finally saying, We were never allowed to talk about it when we were children. Our parents forbade us to ever ask any questions about it. My father and grandfather refused absolutely to discuss it. The deformed monster of Glam's was supposedly only let out of his secret chamber at midnight on moonless nights where he was allowed to exercise on the castle battlements supervised by the estate manager. To this day, there is a section of the battlements named the Mad Earl's Walk, where a strange, shadowy, inhuman figure is still seen on moonless nights stalking along the top of Glam's castle. The monster of Glam's, the true heir to the family fortune and titles, is said by some to have lived for a full century finally dying in 1921 at the age of 100 years. Or so the legend goes. So, was there really a monster living in a secret room at Glam's castle? We'll never know for sure. It is certain that for over a century, the Bowes Lion family was certainly haunted by some dark secret that cast a bleak shadow over their lives. Many have speculated that the family encouraged gossip about a deformed monster to distract attention away from the true secret. Much earlier in the history of Glam's castle, there is a tale of two warring clans, the Ogilvies and the Lindsays. One dark and stormy night, a group of sixteen Ogilvies arrived at Glam's begging for shelter, not knowing that the Lion family was on the side of the Lindsays. The Earl ushered the Ogilvies into a secret chamber deep in the castle and then locked the door behind them so they would slowly starve to death with no one to hear their screams. One month later, the Earl opened the room again. Only one Ogilvie was still barely alive and insane, having survived that long by eating the flesh of his dead relatives. 
The chamber was called the Room of Skulls, with the skeletal remains of the Ogilvies left exactly where they died, their bones still showing the tell-tale signs of cannibalism. Some believe this was the real terrible secret, and that this horrific chamber of death was the hidden room shown to the air, the truth of the family's horrific, grisly, monstrous betrayal. But perhaps there also really was a physically deformed child born in 1821 who the Bowes Lion family felt had to be hidden from view to protect their reputation and status in high society. I conclude this tale with the story of Catherine and Nerissa Bowes Lion. They were the daughters of the Queen Mother's brother, John, and therefore the first cousins of Queen Elizabeth II. Both Catherine and Nerissa were listed in the public register as having died in 1961. But that was not the truth. The truth was that Catherine and Nerissa Bowes Lyon were born developmentally disabled likely due to inbreeding that had occurred within the family over many years and generations. Mentally, they never developed past the age of five. In 1941, Catherine and Nerissa were committed to Earlswood Hospital for the mentally ill by the royal family. The sisters spent every waking moment together. There is supposedly no known record of them ever being visited by any member of the Bowes Lion or the royal family after their mother died. They lived in a world all of their own. When Nerissa died in 1986 at the age of 67, only hospital staff attended her funeral, and her grave was marked by nothing more than a serial number. When her sister died, Catherine was completely silent for several days and then went back to her usual self. In 1987, the truth about the existence of Catherine and Nerissa Bowes Lyon was revealed in a documentary aired by Channel 4 in Britain. After the documentary aired to a scandalous reception, Buckingham Palace said, we have no comment at all. It is a matter for the Bowes Lion family. Queen Elizabeth II, to whom these two women were her first cousins, was said to have been very hurt by the expose. However, soon afterward, Nerissa Bowes Lion received a proper gravestone paid for by the royal family with her name, date of birth, and date of death. Catherine Bowes Lyon died in 2014 at the age of 88. No member of the Bowes Lyon or the royal family attended her funeral. So was there really a monster 
born at Glam's castle almost two hundred years ago. Then, as now, monster is a word used by those in power to describe anyone who they would call different. The next time we meet, I will take you on a ghostly tour of Borley Rectory, once said to be the most haunted house in England. And let me tell you, there is a story there. If you're enjoying what you hear, I encourage you to like Going Dark Theatre on Facebook. And if you want to support this podcast, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Josh Hitchens, where you will get early access to every episode of this podcast, along with transcripts of the text and many other writings and recordings I'm making in the genre of horror. My name is Josh Hitchens, and this is Going Dark Theater. Until our next midnight together, I wish you all very pleasant dreams. And now, Going Dark.